Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek, and we are 74% done with this book. If you're not happy, I don't give a fuck. 916-633-1537. I'm getting excited, motherfucker. 74%. <laughs> Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. 74% means there's only 26% left. That's not a lot, but I bet you it turns into a whole bunch. Anyhow, chapter 14. Alani checked her watch. Where are you? She whispered as she stood inside the lobby of the English department, her eyes constantly fretting over to the pickup lane outside. Ethic was over an hour late, and she already had missed the last bus. She missed the bus? Ow. She missed the bus? See, when I was younger... There were rap groups that were children, and the children rapped about stuff like missing the school bus. Stuff that we could all relate to, you know. One of the verses, which is a hip-hop classic, and if Source magazine had been, they were out at the time, so I'm still furious. They did not put this in the hip-hop quotables at all, and it should have been, because the verse was lyrically amazing. It was, I was up. He was up, but I laid back down. Thinking I could chill till the time came around. And I did. He did. But a little too long. Because when I woke up, yo, the bus was gone. That works for all of us. We have all felt that panic. Whether it is when you're a kid trying to catch the bus. Or when you're a kid being late for school. Or when you're an adult and your alarm goes off. And you hit the snooze button and then you wake up like three hours later and you got to call into your office and say you got COVID. Her phone was dead and she was beginning to wonder how she was supposed to make it home. He didn't seem like the type to flake, but as a two hour mark approached and the sun began to set, she wondered if she should just start the long walk home. Anxiety filled her as she tried to occupy her time. When she finally saw the headlights to its range pull into the parking lot, she sighed in relief, but her impatience was, instantly, transformed into anger. She marched out of the building on fire. This girl was... You'll finish it off on your own. You're incredible, you know that? I've been waiting here for you for two hours, she exclaimed as she stormed towards his car. When she saw the passenger door open and Bella hop out, she paused dead in her tracks. I got held up. My apologies, Alani, he said. No, she corrected. You and I are back on Lanika status, she said as she climbed inside the car. She turned towards the back seat where Bella had moved to. Hi, Bella, right? She asked. It's really nice to see you again, she said with a smile. Nice to see you too, Alani, Bella returned. Oh, so she can call you Alani? Ethic asked. She cut her eyes at him. She can. You can't, she said as she crossed her arms. You know... If you would have just taken the car, we wouldn't even be dealing with this right now, Ethic stated as he rubbed his goatee, smirking at how quickly he was able to rub it in her face. That's dangerous, homie. You don't want to do that. You never want to do that. You know what? I think you owe me dinner for making me wait, she said. And I may be modest when it comes to gifts, but when it comes to food, I accept only the best. Her smile let him know that all was forgiven. No greasy diner food for you, Ethic shot back. I'll take Jay Alexander's, thank you very much, she replied. What do you think, Bella? You up for dinner? Ethic asked. 
I didn't mean tonight, Alani said. I have to work. I'm just saying, she paused as she looked out the window. She felt comfortable with him, and demanding dinner was just an excuse to see him again. Soon. Soon, he assured. He pulled up to a shop, and she hesitated before getting out. The key is in the car, he informed, nodding towards a new whip. Good night, Lanika. You can stick to Alani for now, she said as she climbed out. Good night, Bella. Good night, Bella returned. The door closed and Bella looked at her father. She saw a look in his eyes she didn't recognize. Daddy, what's wrong? She asked. Nothing, baby girl, he said as he put his car in drive. Everything, he thought, being honest only with himself. Because, you know, we lie to our kids, right? Parents, right? That's what we do. Like, we lie to our kids and we give them trust issues. That's what we're good at. Like, we may be learning this parent thing as we go along, which every single parent has said to their kid at some point when they just get so overwhelmed. This, so, I'm learning this as I go along. Well, you may be learning as you go along, but you should remember some shit. And the first thing you should remember is how it felt when you got lied to. Second thing you should remember is how it felt when you got yelled at. And I just want to ask adults a question. Since this is my fucking show, and I mean, y'all can turn it off if you want. I don't give a fuck. Adults, how do you feel when somebody yells at you? Calls you stupid. Says you're lying to them. Get in their face. Or get in your face and call you a liar. Yell at you and scream at you. Huh? How does that feel? Then why the fuck do you do it to kids? Do you not think you're a bully when you do it to kids? Do you think it's different because you're parenting and leading them in the right direction when you do it to kids? And what about when you're not even the parent? I'm not talking about guardians either. Y'all are exempt. Not from the bullying part, but from this whole parent. Okay, let's say parent guardians. Y'all are exempt. I'm talking about coaches. Why do y'all let football coaches just get all up in your kid's face and say all kind of shit? Knowing that if that coach got in your face and said that same shit, it wouldn't happen because they wouldn't have the guts. I wish somebody would grab me up by a face mask and pull me towards them. But that's neither here nor there. Ethics sat at his desk, looking at the pictures of the little boy that he pulled from the envelope. He smiled as he thought of the woman who had sent them to him. Yaya had been a woman he had loved once. But did he kiss her? I think he only kissed two women. Was Yaya one of them? I don't remember. I don't feel like going back. Google that shit. I'm too busy. He had thought she was carrying his child, but come to find out it belonged to her husband. And though disappointed, Ethic knew that that was best. She still wrote him sometimes, following his instructions to old school letters so that he could have something to keep of her. She always concluded it with a kiss, and he fingered the red lip stain at the end of the letter, remembering the way her lips felt against his. So yes, they were kissing. They were kissing and touching and loving and fucking. They were rubbing and holding. And he got emboldened, so he put it in her ass. Don't don't just put it in their ass fellas like that is not cool like literally build up to that shit please lick the pussy cunning lingus like finger the pussy like oral ministrations like uh vaginal penetration and then while you're doing that from the back maybe you know what fuck it y'all's kids are listening use condoms kids too um Whew, sweaty. They were friends and always would be. He would body something if she ever needed him, but she wasn't his. Would you body a bear? What about a bear on cocaine? Have you ever seen... <laughs> have you ever seen a bear? Have you ever seen a bear on weed? Sorry. That would be a completely different movie, though. It would. Cocaine Bear and Weed Bear would be two completely... Weed Bear is literally Winnie the Pooh. Okay? Okay? Weed Bear is Fozzie. That's, that's all I'm going to say. She belonged to another man. He wrote a check out to her for $5,000. He would keep sending them every month just to make sure she was straight. Why? She's married. The kid ain't yours. Why are you... Sending $5,000. What? I don't get it. Ethic was just solid like that. He hadn't loved many, but those he had, 
he liked to take care of, even if he no longer had a place in their lives. A knock at the door caused Ethic to fold the letter and place the pictures in his desk drawer. Come in, he said as he stood and walked to the window that overlooked his backyard. He had built a comfortable life for his family. As he watched Bella swing easy around before tossing in a huge pile of leaves in the backyard, he scoffed. Morgan stood near them, snapping pictures on her phone, and he admired the sight of the trio. They were carefree. They knew nothing about surviving or going without. Morgan had a brief history of struggle after her parents died, but he had done all he could to make up for whatever damage at time it caused. They were his life, his purpose, but they were growing up. Morgan was a young woman, and he was sure that he would be losing her to the world soon. She would want to stretch her wings and fly. She want to spread her wings and fly away to a place that I long for. And my heart will be the pathway I'm searching for a love that's evermore. That's from like the early 90s too. Y'all are welcome. I'm just bringing them all back today. The thought of Bella being not too far behind her saddened him. Easy, he had more time with, but eventually they would all leave and he had no queen to share his castle with after they were gone. Lily let me in. Ethic turned to Messiah and motioned for him to take a seat. You drinking something? Ethic asked. Nah, I'm good fam, Messiah said. It's quiet than the motherfucker around here. Where easy at? <laughs> it's true. It's always the boys that are loud ones. He's outside with Mo and Bella, Ethic said with a chuckle. He'll be upset if you don't holler at him before you leave. Oh no, OG. I might not be welcome here after I say what I gotta say, Messiah said. Ethic leaned back in the seat, staring intently at Messiah. Alright, you know what you're here to say. Word got back to me about your stunner bursting. You broke the nigga's nose and knocked out his teeth, Ethic stated. You want to explain that, or you want me to tell you what I think? Messiah knew that Ethic didn't ask questions without already having the answers. So instead, he said, I'm not coming in here on no disrespect, fam. I kept my distance, but the first word she said was my name, OG. That's like a man hearing his child say dad after the first time. She's mine. I ain't even wanted her to be mine either. I was keeping my distance out of respect. But when I saw a nigga talking fly in her ear, I, I just reacted. Again, you're not talking. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Maybe last episode. I don't fucking know. But I talked about it. Y'all listened. But you're not talking about her like a potential mate. You're talking about her like a kid. She said my name first. That's how you feel when your kids say dada. She said my name first. That meant she wanted a bottle and to take a walk around the block. You're not talking about her. You're not saying things that make it sound like y'all are on the same level age-wise at any point in this book. And it's really just disconcerting. I think that's the best way for me to put it. Probably not, but I don't care. I get that. I've been there. But let me tell you something about Morgan Atkins. She's not yours. She's mine. Really? I feed her. I clothe her. I stayed up all night with her when she was sick. I held her to my chest when she cried and chased away the boogeyman under her bed when she was scared. You think coming in here for permission makes it better? Ethic asked. What the fuck are you mad about, dog? Like, what are you talking about? She's not yours. She's mine. She makes... She's mine. It's what the possessiveness. Like, seriously. Honestly, the whole idea of asking for a blessing is antiquated as fuck and unnecessary as shit. But what are we doing? Y'all two are in there arguing about who she belongs to? Like, she's an adult. She don't belong to neither one of y'all. And y'all are on two completely separate pages of what y'all are talking about. But y'all are both out of line for what you're discussing. And honestly... The nigga's coming at you with respect. He doesn't need to do this. He's just doing it. So grant him what he's looking for and move the fuck on. I know Romeo type nigga. I know I'm rough around the edges. I know college boy. I'm in the streets heavy and I love that shit. I know I'm not who a father would want for his daughter. And I know that's what she is to you, your daughter. But that girl makes me feel something, OG. 
You know better than anybody that I don't feel shit. Not for my mama, not for my daddy, not for kids with cancer. None of that shit moves me. Mo moves me. She gives me this tender feeling in the middle of my chest. Do you love her? If you love her, you got to be a man and tell me that you love her. You doing all this dancing around. Square up with me. Tell me straight what it is. Do you love her? Ethics stated. He was angry. Messiah was as thorough as they came, but he wasn't what Ethic wanted for Morgan. I think I do, Messiah stated. Do you know how her sister, Raven, died? Ethic asked. Messiah shook his head. I'm glad you're about to tell him because we don't know either, nigga. We ain't reading them old books. Fuck you. I know you don't because I can never speak truthfully about how she lost her life. It's part of my past that I've lied about so many times that I started to believe it. I tell people she died giving birth because I like to think it sounds noble, like she was a mother who sacrificed her life while bringing life into the world. Other times, I just say she was sick. People don't ask about shit like cancer. I think of any lie to tell to avoid the truth. The lies paint a prettier picture. People don't pry too much when they understand why a girl died so young. The truth is, my love for Raven is what killed her. I called to play the end of her life. I killed the girl I loved. Ethic grit his teeth as his nostrils flared. She was with a bad nigga. I thought I had to protect her from him, help her escape from him. He used to put his hands on her. I never understood how a man could destroy beauty the way he did. So, I intervened. I took her for myself. I always loved her, but she was a lot like Morgan. Sheltered, naive, spoiled. Ethic stopped to chuckle as he stood and went back to the window to watch over the three people he cared for most. She got pregnant with Easy, but she was so afraid of him, she went back. She gave birth to my son while she was living with him. She told me he wasn't mine. She lied. She named him after her father, and as an ode to me, gave him my middle name, Benjamin Ezra Atkins. I changed to Okafor years later. I still remember the day she called me to come get her. She was terrified. I could hear it in her voice when she begged me to come. I decided right then that the nigga she was with had to die. I put word in the street that there was a ticket on his head. I couldn't have known that she would use his car to come meet me. We were supposed to leave Flint. We were so close. We were supposed to have a life together. But instead, I saw the men I hired spread an Audi she was driving. It was a miracle that Easy survived because he was in the backseat of the car. She died because I ordered an execution and I haven't been the same man since. Men like us aren't built to be the good guys. It always ends badly. I'm laughing because I know y'all are thinking the same thing I'm thinking. I feel like I should be quiet like Dora the Explorer and just stare at the screen for a second. Right? So was these niggas just going to draw down on any Audi up and down the block? Did he give them the make, model, and license plate? Like, did he say what the rims look like? Was this at night? How could they see what the Audi looked like at night? What were these niggas just standing there watching cars go by like, that's my car, that's my car, hold on, wait, that's his car. Doo, 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 doo. Niggas couldn't see through the windshield? Like, you didn't put up a blockade or something? Like, you couldn't have set up a checkpoint and been like, nah, that's a woman. Nah, that's a baby. Nah, that's a dog. That's weird. Y'all just start shooting at every car that goes by? That's just reckless as fuck. Nigga, you literally handled that shit the worst way possible. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yo ass killed yo baby mama. That's really it. There's a million ways you could have handled that, and you chose to take it to the dumbest way possible. Period. Like, that is jaw-droppingly stupid. That is so dumb. Nigga, you put a hit out on the nigga, that's fine. But you put a hit out on his car, too? The fuck did the Audi do to you? What? Like, ugh. Oh, my God. That poke card never hurt nobody. All it wanted to do was roll back to the party. Like, seriously, nigga, you shooting up random-ass cars. You worried about killing kids. You worried about killing kids and killing women. And then you just tell the niggas, yo, if you see an Audi, you sound like a white person. You 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 sound like a white person describing uh, a criminal back in 80s movies. 
the criminal was described as black. Oh, we're not going to give a, a, a height? We're not going to give a, a size? Between the ages of 12 and 19. God damn it, kids, stay inside tonight. It, it ain't cool out there right now. And Morgan is a good girl, Messiah stated somberly. That she is, Ethic agreed. He turned to Messiah and handed him a letter. Messiah read the heading. It was from Michigan State University. She got in. They're willing to allow her to come mid-semester. If you love her, walk away. Why? Nigga, you literally just dropped um, Alani. You literally just dropped Alani off at Michigan State earlier today. It's right down the block. Nigga, no. No. I'm not walking away from shit. No. I'm going to drop her off at school. We're going to wave at each other in the parking lot. How about that? She 18. I don't need your blessing. Shooting at cars, asshole, OG. Fuck you. I ain't walking away from shit. Rehashing his truth had ethics zoned out. He had soaked up love from his trio, sending Lily home early so that he could spend time with them. After they were all asleep, he had the overwhelming urge to see her. Alani Lanika Hill, the woman whose life he had changed for the worse. He needed to lay eyes on her. When he walked into the diner, it was empty, just like the first time he had patronized it. Alani sat at the bar, curly hair twisted out and big around her tired face. Her bags told him she wasn't sleeping, and he knew he was the cause. He had stripped her of her peace, and it was something he had to add to his list of things to mourn. Lanika, he called. She looked up in surprise, defensive at first, but at first sight of him, her lips spread into a smile. Alani to you, she said. What are you doing here? I'm starving, he said, and it was true. He was famished from lacking the nutrients a woman provided for a man. And he hadn't realized the famine he had been in until he met her. It took all his will to keep his interactions with her in a friendly place. Well, let's feed you. Cheap, greasy diner food, she quipped. She extended both her hands in motion for the bar stool. Let me serve you, dear sir. Ethic wanted nothing more than for her to serve him. He needed a woman that would do so, lovingly, without feeling like he was oppressive to her independence, because in return, he would be subservient too when necessary. Yeah, that's pretty much what a relationship is, I guess. When you break it down, that's that's a relationship. I depend on my wife for lots, and she depends on me for lots. And it's more about swallowing your pride and realizing that you need to not only be willing to be supported, you have to be willing to support Um and put your trust in somebody. That's another part. Like you can't really ask for support until you trust somebody. You got to, me personally, I guess. I guess I could say me because I don't know about y'all. But I have to know that the person isn't going to denigrate me, deride me, put me down, hurt me. Before I'll ask for help. Because that's really putting myself in a vulnerable place. So, okay. Her words stirred something inside him. But he knew there was no hidden meaning to them. She was just talking about food. So he slid onto the bar stool, accepting the menu she held out for him. I don't recommend the meatloaf. It's from yesterday, she whispered. That's fucking nasty. That's gross. I mean, it, no, it's not. But still, serving it to people like that? Like, really? I mean, if you're at home and it's a leftover, it's a leftover. But do you do that in restaurants? I didn't think they did that in restaurants. I guess if I watched those shows like Kitchen Nightmares, I'd see some shit. But why the fuck would I want to watch some shit like that? Them places never stay good, you know. They go right back down into the shitter pretty fucking quick. The one out here fucking closed down. They were like, fuck it, you're unforgivable. Like, you can't be reached. <sighs> I'll just take the pie. Peach, he said. She bit her lip, trapping it between her teeth as she leaned onto the bar, standing directly across from him. He lifted his hand to release her lip with his thumb. Don't do that, he said with a wink. She blushed. What? What the fuck? One slice of peach pie coming up, she announced. She cut him a slice herself and slid it in front of him placing a fork on the plate as well. Well, that's nice of you. Like, what else are you going to do? Use his hands like a fucking savage? Unga bunga, food good. 
What are you going to school for? He asked as he noticed the books she had been reading before he had interrupted. Writing, she said. I used to love it a long time ago. After my daughter died, I sort of picked it back up. It helps me. I want to write a book one day, so I'm taking some creative writing classes. I can't wait to read it, Ethic responded. The car is beautiful. Thank you, she said. I promise I'll pay you back as soon as I publish my first book and strike it rich. If that makes you feel better about accepting it, that's a bet, he said with a sly grin. He cut open the pie and lifted the fork to her lips. You're looking kind of thin. Maybe you need this more than I do. What are you doing, dog? Like, seriously, are you staying away from her because you killed her daughter and her brother, which we don't talk about anymore, or are you going to keep leading her on? Because basically you're doing the same thing you did with Dolce. More or less, except for this one, you really can't tell her your feelings and you can't tell her why you don't like her because, yeah, that would be stupid. She accepted the fork between her lips and closed her eyes as she enjoyed the sweet bite. I just don't have an appetite. I'm surviving off smoothies. My nanny won't let me go too long without a warm meal, though. She cooks every night. There's always a plate with aluminum foil waiting for me on the stove when I get home. I may not always eat it, but it's there. So you don't have to worry about me, she said. And you don't sleep, Ethic said out of observation. Sleep brings nightmares, she whispered. Can I ask you something? Anything, he said. I know why I'm sad, but why are you? I see a lot of hurt in you, she said quietly. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. Ah, Still a great, great, great song for us. Not great movie. That's the story for another day, he insisted. Let's just say I know loss. I understand the hurt you feel. Have you ever buried your child, she asked defensively. He was silent because he saw the flicker of anger in her eyes at his comparison to grief. I didn't think so. You don't know anything about my type of hurt, she said passionately. Nobody understands. It's like everyone just wants me to move on and I'm I'm stuck. She cleared her throat and stood up straight, tucking her pain behind a fake smile. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude to you. We barely know one another and I'm already doing too much with you. You probably think I'm a mess, she said. I think what you're going through is hard and you're handling it with grace, Ethic answered. Now, how about this dinner I owe you, he asked, changing the heavy subject to something much lighter. I was thinking, how about if you just come over and I cook it for you, she proposed. You cook? Ethic asked. Cook? I burn, okay? Alani bragged. What you want me to make? Some hot water cornbread? Black eyed peas? Fried chicken? Anything southern, I got it covered. Last night? Last night. But, but anyways, last night, I made some smoked chicken, chicken, chicken. And I decided to make black eyed peas the side, side, side. And then I made, I made me some brown rice, brown rice, brown rice. And it tastes so good. I damn near fucking cried, cried, cried. Yeah, I used smoked turkey necks for the uh, black eyed peas. They were smacking. Woo. Anything Southern, I got you. She beamed at him as she continued. You just let me know what you like and you can have it. All that sounds legit, he said. I look forward to it. Tomorrow then, she asked. Tomorrow, he agreed. The fuck? Messiah grimaced as he climbed out of bed and picked up his phone to check out the time. It was nine o'clock in the morning and Messiah was a night owl. He had just closed his eyes three hours ago, and the disturbance at his front door wasn't welcome. Nobody even knew where he lived except for fucking Morgan. He hadn't stayed at his trap house last night, so he wondered who was knocking like the police so early. He reached in a nightstand beside his bed and pulled out a forty-five caliber chrome pistol as he went to answer. He was about to send somebody's Jehovah's Witnesses straight to heaven for knocking on his shit so damn early. He pulled open the door, in irritation, his gun gripped tightly in his hand at his side. So you just kiss me and then go MIA? You don't answer my texts? My calls? 
Come in, he said as he squeezed the bridge of his nose and closed his eyes. Yep, that's how you fix everything. He wasn't prepared for this conversation, but he knew it was inevitable. He stepped to the side as she entered. She was livid, but as she took him in, standing before her wearing only boxer briefs, her anger waned. His body was incredible. The semi-hard morning wood was downright distracting, and as her eyes drank him in, he smirked. You ain't ready for a little girl. Chill out, he said. He disappeared for a minute and returned wearing gray sweatpants. Have a seat. What's on your mind? You, she said, not wanting to lose her nerve. All I can think about is you, Messiah. So they don't say it's Morgan. I mean, we know it's Morgan. I'm hoping it's Morgan, but still. Messiah swiped his hand over his nose and mouth, sighing. Yeah, about that, he started. I messed up by kissing you the other day. I don't really want to take it there with you like that, Mo. You're a cool girl, but I just ain't feeling it, you know? He could visibly see the effects of his words as Morgan recoiled. She blinked rapidly as her eyes watered. You're lying, she whispered. Why are you doing this? Look, I ain't with the 21 questions, Mo. I don't explain myself. I just move the way I move and that's it. This is how I'm moving with it. What you doing still slumming it in Flint anyway? You can hear now. Ain't nothing holding you back. Go to Michigan State. Michigan State is in Flint, you goober. That's where you belong. In the real world, living life. This shit ain't for you. I ain't for you, he said. Messiah didn't want to push her away. If he was a selfish man, he would be between her legs right now with her pearl in his mouth, swallowing her soul to convince her he was good enough, but he knew ethic was right. If he loved her, he would let her go, set her free. Messiah, don't do this, she whispered desperately as a single tear slid down her cheek. His gut hollowed at her sadness, but as he thought about ethic's warning, he couldn't cave to spare her feelings. Gangsters and good girls didn't mix. He didn't want to have his accents jeopardize her, and he wasn't ready to leave the game alone. He was young and thugging it, getting money hand over fist, and Morgan wasn't built for that. He would rather hurt her feelings than give in to his own, and one day be the cause of her tragedy. It had already happened to her sister. Messiah wouldn't be the one to allow history to repeat itself. Messiah, she pleaded. He leaned over in his chair, resting his elbows on his knees as his head hung in turmoil. His hands were clasped against his forehead. Fuck, Mo, he thought. His name on her lips was his weakness. It was the way she said it, as if she had practiced it in her head a thousand times before she ever had the courage to say it aloud. These tears she cried in her pleading his name. Messiah wanted her. Messiah! This time it was angry, but still she was calling him. His dick swelled. His heart thundered. God knew he wanted to fuck her. To love her. To keep her. He did the one thing he knew would make her go and dead all possibilities of them ever having anything together. I fucked Niche, Mo, Messiah said as he lifted his head to look at her. He may as well have slapped her, the way the false confession landed like a blow to her chin. The way her eyes fell in disappointment, it broke his heart. Every piece of his cold heart thawed. He loved her, and if there was any doubt before, it was gone now. Her hurt was his, but he wouldn't take it back. It was for her own good. Go to school, Morgan. There's nothing left for you here. He envied a blind man at that moment. Watching her leave was the worst feeling of all, because this time, he knew she wouldn't return. What kind of fuckery is this shit, man? It's some bullshit. I hate this shit so fucking much. Morgan could barely function. Chapter 15. Sorry. Just in a rush to get this shit out the way. Morgan could barely function. She was overly emotional as she packed her things in the cardboard boxes that covered her room. Why? You could literally go to school and come back home. It's cheaper that way. You live in a fucking mansion. You know what? She was leaving home, venturing out. Instead of the excitement she should have felt, she was forlorn. She had gone through so much to get Messiah to want her, to get him to see her, only to be rejected. He wasn't who she thought he was, and her miscalculation and judgment stung. Mo? She turned to see Bella standing in her doorway. You need some help? I'm about done now, Morgan replied. Bella walked over to the bed and sat down. It feels weird seeing you pack up, Bella said, the normal gleam in her eye missing. Morgan could see that Bella was sad. They had been together since the day they met. Hey, 
Morgan said. Bella looked at her. Sisters forever, Morgan signed. It was their thing. It was what they did when they needed each other. Bella returned the sign. Sisters forever. Now, help me get some of these boxes in the car, Morgan said. Why? Daddy got Messiah and Issa downstairs already to move all your stuff, Bella said. What? Morgan exclaimed. Yep, so we don't have to do any work, Bella stated. Morgan gave a half smile. I'll have plenty of work you can help me do when we get to my new place, she teased. What you could do now is make sure Messiah and Issa don't break any of my stuff. You're in charge. Where are you going, Bella asked. I'm going to drive ahead of everyone. I still need to sign my new lease and get my key, Morgan explained. The truth is, she was running. She didn't want to face Messiah or even be in his vicinity. She grabbed her handbag and rushed down the stairs. I'm headed up to sign my lease. I'll see you there, she shouted to Ethic as she rushed out the house. She didn't even wait for his response. She was already out the door. It only took Morgan an hour to get to the college town. Wait, what? So they're saying that the U of M was a school that Alani was going to, but isn't Michigan State and Flint? Like, I'm a check. I know how this goes, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right. But they live in Flint. That's all they talk about. So, Michigan State University location. Michigan State University is in East Lansing. Okay, my bad. It's not in Flint. Okay. Uh, Let's see how close it is to Flint. Probably an hour away. That's why they put it there. You know what? I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't. It's cool. Whatever. It only took Morgan an hour to get to the college town. Since she was joining so late in the year, she couldn't stay on campus, so Ethic was financing her an apartment close by. If she kept her GPA strong, he would do so until she graduated. As soon as she got her key and opened the door to her new place, all the heaviness she felt, all the sadness, all the drama dissipated. This was her chance to do something with her life and put the ghosts that followed her and Flint to rest. She was no longer afraid to face the world by herself because she was just like everyone else. She had been through hell and back, but this felt like a chance to make a new life. One where she wasn't the poor, little, deaf orphan. Ethic showed up first with Bella and Easy in tow. He was nothing less than the proud father. He had raised her, and she could see he was trying his hardest to keep her his emotions in check. This is so dope. I'm coming to visit you every weekend, Bella said as she looked around in amazement. I'm going to hold you to that. I don't have any friends here, so I'm going to need your company, Morgan said, laughing. Where's all your furniture? Easy asked. He did cartwheels in her bare living room. It'll be a deliver sometime today, Morgan answered. Are you going to come visit me too? Mm-hmm, he answered as he bounced and jumped and ran around her. Morgan laughed. He never sat still, like ever, and his energy always cheered her up, at least when he wasn't working her nerves. Yo, Messiah's voice made her heart drop, and she watched him enter her place without knocking as if he himself were the financier. Shorty Doo-Wop, where you want us to put these boxes, he asked. You could just set them anywhere, she said, without looking at him. I gotta go. I gotta be back in Flint by this evening. I just wanted to come down, look around, and make sure you're comfortable. If you need anything, Morgan, you call me. You understand? We're family, Ethic asked. He was always so cautious, so serious. He worried about the well-being of everyone else constantly, but neglected himself. Why would she think that? I'll be okay, she said. He stood in front of her and looked off into the distance as emotion caused his eyes to water. He, waited for it, squeezed the bridge of his nose and pulled her in to kiss the top of her head. All right, Mo. Messiah and his mans will get your boxes in here and get you settled. I'm going to head back. She didn't realize how fatherly he was until he was walking out. Ethic was a man who would walk her down the aisle, who her future children would call grandpa, and who she could always run to with her problems. He was a man she would measure every man against, and as she looked out of her window, she cheered up watching him and the kids walk to the car. She stepped out onto her balcony. Ethic, she yelled. He looked up at her. I love you. I love you too, baby girl, he said as he shot his hands up in salute. Morgan barricaded herself in her room while Messiah and Issa unloaded her boxes from the truck. She didn't even say thank you when they were done. She simply told Messiah to let himself out without even looking his way. Messiah made it all the way back to Flint before he decided to turn around. 
He dropped his man off and then jumped right back on the highway headed back to Morgan. Here comes the sex scene. She had ignored him all day, and although he understood her attitude was created by him, it still affected him. He had pushed her away, and now that she was gone, he felt the impact from her resentment. She didn't bang with him at all. Whatever affection she had for him had turned to hate. He could see it. Wasn't that your goal, nigga? Like, wasn't that what you were aiming for? He could feel it when in her presence. He cut the hour drive in half as he sped down the expressway. When he arrived, he didn't bother to call. He stormed straight to her door and gripped the side of the frame as he knocked hard. She snatched it open, face bent like she was ready to cut somebody out for the interruption. But when she saw him, she rolled her eyes as she crossed her arms across her chest. What you doing here? I thought you were the pizza guy, she snapped with an attitude as she shifted her weight on her back foot, causing her, wait for it, old school listeners, and thank you so much, leave a review, voluptuous behind to stick out the bottom of her tiny boy shorts as her back curved in an arch. You answer the door like this for the pizza guy, he asked, territorial, as he looked her up and down. Her cut-off green sweater barely covered the bottom of her breast. Her toned stomach was on display, and half her behind was hanging out. He could see her from the front, and he was steaming. Even the sight of her pretty, white, painted toes pissed him off. What I do is not your concern, she said. He walked into her place without an invitation, and she closed the door. You made it crystal clear. So, if I want to order up dick with a side of special sauce and have it delivered to me, it's my business. She's right. Messiah advanced on her, backing her up against the wall until she had nowhere to go. Don't make me fuck none of these college boys up out here, he threatened. I moved all these fucking boxes up here. I could have hired strangers to do that shit for you. I don't even be getting my shit dirty like that, he said, holding out his palms as he spoke. I did it because it was you, and I want to see where you rest your head. And you couldn't give a nigga a thank you, Nick. What the fuck are we doing? I guess this is teenagers. But it's teenagers. He's not a teenager. He's literally 25. Let me think. I guess. Maybe. I don't fucking know. Grow the fuck up. Excuse me? She snapped. I didn't ask you to move anything. I would think you were too busy putting dick in my best friend to be bothered with me, Morgan snapped. Man, fuck that girl. I never touched her. You sound real, real uncertain right now, fam. I said that shit. So you will come here. So you will get the fuck away from Flint and live your life. Chase your dreams, shawty, Messiah said as his eyes appreciated her entire body, roaming her from her pretty toes to her flawless, bone-straight hair and lingering on all the goodies in between. His dick jumped. Man, go put on some clothes. A nigga come to the door with a pizza and see all that? He gonna try and get it, Messiah fussed, bothered by the idea of a random man seeing her body. You ain't want it. Now you don't want nobody else to have it, she snapped, her eyes ablaze in anger. She didn't even know how they had started arguing over the pizza man. Messiah was crazy and jealous, but not even her man to be any of those things at all. I hope you notice that. I hope you see that, and really just, but you're not, because it's a book. I want it, Messiah conceded. He kissed her lips, soliciting a moan that she didn't mean to let escape. Damn, I want it, he repeated as he kissed her neck, making her head fall to the side and her eyes closed. You said you didn't want it, she groaned. You know I want that shit, he whispered, as his hands roamed underneath her sweatshirt and found her nipples. They pebbled at his touch as Morgan pulled the entire shirt over her head. His lips and tongue circled her areolas as he went from one breast to the other. Morgan quivered. You act like you don't want it. Her protests were just foreplay now, because if he wanted it or not, she was giving it to him. His dick pressed into her, and she whimpered as he slid her panties to the side and lowered onto his knees. Let me show you, was the last thing he said before he tasted her. Morgan's back arched as her hands wrapped around his head, and he put her legs over his shoulders. Messiah's tongue was so warm that it melted her center as he rotated his entire head in circles. He assaulted her clitoris, sucking and pulling and licking and flicking. Ah, she screamed as she rolled her hips, increasing the pressure on his tongue. She was glazing his entire face as she frantically pushed her sex into him. It was the best thing she had ever felt. He put two thick fingers inside her as he hummed while eating her. Some people hum while they ate great food. Morgan hummed when he ate great pussy. Some people get the hiccups. 
Morgan was serving him the best meal he had ever had. It was like she was feeding a starving man. He devoured her. Messiah laid her down on the floor and then pulled back her fat lips to give himself better access to her pearl. He paused briefly to admire it as it swelled and her juices dripped from it. Damn, I want it, shorty. He growled as he dove back in. You taste good as fuck. I could eat this pussy all day. A rush came over Morgan as she clenched her thighs around his head. Wait, Messiah, wait, she cried. She had never felt anything so intense. Her whole pussy was tender to the touch. Every time he pulled at her clit, she felt like it was a pinata, taking as many licks as it could before she would explode. He lifted her ass off the floor, his hands kneading her backside as she rolled forward, grinding his face. When he stuck a finger up her backside, Morgan erupted. See, that's how you do it, fellas. He didn't stop licking until she went limp in his arms and he lowered her back to the floor. He wiped his face with his hand and came up from between her legs. She reached for him and he kissed her. Softly. Slowly. That's my shit, he said as he gripped her chin and stopped their kiss to look her in the eye. You hear me? She nodded. No more answering the door for the pizza man in your panties and shit, he said as he kissed her, biting her bottom lip gently. She laughed as he pulled her on top of him and stared up at her. You know we can't tell ethic, right? She said, her expression fretful. I'll figure that part out, Messiah promised. It might just take me some time, but not having you is no longer an option. She reached beneath her and grabbed his dick, lifting slightly to guide herself down onto it. Her mouth fell open at its girth. Morgan was inexperienced and still so tight that it hurt a little. He flipped her on her back. You're not ready for that, he said. He slid into her, slowly, rocking, giving her the dick inch by inch until all ten of him was nestled inside of her. Let me know if I'm hurting you, he stared at her, his hands on the side of her head. I don't want to hurt you, Mo. She could see the worry in his eyes. His words had a deeper meaning, but she trusted him. You can never hurt somebody you love, she whispered. He began to grind into her the muscles in his entire body tensing as she touched his face. She lifted her head to kiss him, and he kissed her back. The flavor of her womanhood lingered on his lips. I love you, Messiah, she whispered. He grunted as he fucked her slow, each stroke deeper than the one before, as if he were trying to dig his way into her soul. He didn't believe anyone could love him. Nobody has certainly ever told him, and the melody of her voice, that rasp, the sincerity... Fuck, if he didn't love her too. Tell me again, baby, he said, as she threw her body back at him. Like waves in the ocean, crashing against one another, they rocked the boat. Did, did he put on a condom? I didn't notice. I didn't read that part. I don't think he did. Oh, she moaned, her face twisting in an ugly pleasure as she bit her lip as he took control of her body. He was straddling the line between being delicate and going beast inside of her. He had flirted with the idea this night many times in his mind, but nothing was like the real thing. I love you, Messiah, she groaned. Fuck, she screamed as the sound of their skin meeting slapped throughout the apartment. Her pussy sucked him in and spit him out, massaging his manhood again and again. When she had been raped, they had robbed her of her virginity, but Messiah was the first man to enter her by choice. She wished they hadn't stolen her gift before she could give it to him because the way he was working her body over made her never want to know what it felt like to have anyone else inside her ever again. I'm coming, she whined as she pulled him into her, gripping his ass and locking her thighs to keep him there in her depths. He knew he should pull out. He wasn't strapped up. He was never this reckless and he was about to press eject until he heard her say it again. Messiah, she moaned. This fucking girl gonna be the death of me, he thought, realizing he had found his weakness, and in the same thought, deciding he had to keep her hidden because there were niggas who had been searching for his soft spot for years. If it was ever discovered that she was it, she would be a target. Messiah groaned as he planted his seeds inside of her, and then moved her hair out of her face to see she was crying. Well, she's pregnant. Yeah, let's make sure we don't tell Messiah. Yeah, we'll keep it a secret. We can't tell Messiah, she said fretfully. Five minutes later, fucking without a condom. She's pregnant. I love you, he finally answered. I've never done this before, so if I start loving you wrong, you gotta let me know. She nodded. He kissed her tears away and then rolled over onto his back, pulling her on top so he could hold her.
He had never wanted to be this close to a woman, never trusted them enough to stay after sex, but this was different. It scared him. That's how he knew it was real. That's the pizza, Morgan said, standing up and heading to her door, naked. Messiah stood and chased her to the door, catching her by the waist from behind and sending her in a fit of laughter. Messiah pushed her behind the door as he smiled and opened the door, naked, dick swinging, hitting mid-thigh even when it wasn't fully erect. He was sculpted like an African king. He grabbed the pizza, roughly, from the college pretty boy standing in front of him. How much I owe you, homeboy? The light-skinned boy stammered as he looked up and said a straight at Messiah. Twenty bucks, he said. Morgan snickered behind the door as Messiah handed her the pizza and walked over to his pants, pulling a wad of money from the pocket. He pulled off a hundred and walked back to the door to hand it to the pizza man. Keep the change. And Ayo, if you ever come here and my girl answer the door wearing some skimpy shit, and you start thinking about trying her, remember me, my nigga. It's good, but it ain't worth dying over. Have a good night. Here's a hundred dollars. I'm the only one you see here at this door. By the way, if you ever see a really, really, really beautiful girl pull up to the door and she's wearing panties and some skimpy shit, don't try and holler at her, okay? Because she's mine. Morgan's laughter bellowed as Messiah closed the door. They shared a laugh as Morgan put the pizza on the counter. They ended the night in her kitchen, naked, as she sat on the countertop beside the box and he stood between her legs feeding her pizza. Messiah had never been so relaxed with a woman, and Morgan had never been without an insecurity. She always worried about the way people saw her or how she sounded. In this room, with just the two of them, they realized the discomfort didn't exist, and neither wanted the sun to rise and burst the bubble they had created. 18% left to go. 916-633-1537, wretched and wretched at gmail.com, wretched book club on Twitter, wretched book club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Or on the Good Pods app, you can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know by now that you're